produce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. Next in Tire USA, we got you. Find out more about the tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, the Nexon Tire Rodian MTX at NexonTireUSA.com. And we are doing, uh, continuing to do Nexon Tire uh, giveaways, the Nexon Tire Rodian MTX. You can get them on your Jeep, uh, well, soon, <laughs> if you win. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. The Jeep Talk Show has made all kinds of special announcements over the years. If I would love to add them to my collection, but I doubt, I doubt they'll let me, you know. And this is one of them. Pretty cool. Yeah. We're constantly working to provide you with fresh new content. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, and it wheels real good. And coming soon, a familiar face and a new name joins the show. Oh, God, no. Who's it going to be? I mean, I do 8590 down the interstate. Find out in the coming week. So you, you guys made me quit welding. So can I can I go back or what's the deal here? Oh, who's it going to be? What's uh, that's the mystery man? Some of you uh, I think already know, but uh, keep it t- to yourself. The Jeep Talk Show is the official Jeep podcast of Mister Vanderquack. Keep listening for weekly updates about Mister Vanderquack and his mission to help the Saint uh, the children at Saint Jude. Go to mistervanderquack.com. That's M R Vanderquack.com. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You know, uh, here for a while, I have not been asking you guys to help out to get the word out about the show uh, and using the uh, the hashtag Jeep Talk Show and hashtag giveaways, uh, but uh, our numbers are growing, our downloads are going up, uh, so I think that maybe you guys are helping out. We really appreciate it, but I figure it's, it's time to whine and bitch about it again, so please use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show and hashtag giveaways in every post that you make online, the social media. And and if, if if you're worried about people going, what the hell are you talking about? That's a good thing. You can let them know about the Jeep Talk Show. Hey, are you new to the roundtable? Perhaps new to the Jeep Talk Show? Well, welcome. The roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You don't have to be invited. You just need the Zoom meeting link and password. Everyone is invited because everyone has an opinion or something to share. To get the meeting invite uh, information, subscribe subscribe to our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And now we join the Zoom meeting, which is already in progress. Please keep in mind that what you're about to hear is completely unrehearsed. The opinions may be stronger, may or may not reflect the opinion of the Jeep Talk Show, but probably do. Howdy, howdy, Zoom people. Howdy, howdy. howdy. Hey, th- you know, thank you guys for coming here every week. And, uh, and it was, frankly, taking the abuse. Oh, the abuse. <laughs> yeah, you hand right, out the abuse out. too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> and Christopher is on his way driving home. And uh, I'm going to say we we do not encourage you to do dangerous activities while joining in on the Zoom uh, meeting. And uh, Christopher, be be very safe. Okay. <laughs> I, I, might jump I might jump something. You never know. Oh well, we get it on video. We're recording the uh, the the video on Zoom, so uh, that would uh, would not be a bad thing to have so, on there. Just so saying, is it, Chris. Is it safe to wrench while just we're don't listening? Don't do what to the I show? do. <laughs> yeah, just don't do what I do. Uh, we have to have a warning on there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, could you imagine? We we could actually be contacting uh, somebody for help to help Rich if he got stuck. Yeah, yeah I know. There. he went under that extra with a big ass pipe wrench. <laughs> well, I, I wonder. If, I'm waiting for the legs to start shaking. I wonder if he's tightening up the uh, the long arm suspension or something. <laughs> I wish he had long arms. Well, he was doing some plumbing there for a minute. We saw some uh, cracking going on. It's just from under I'm, there. I'm getting ready to go uh, to your A this weekend. Nice, oh, nice. Yeah, very cool. Any any certain area of your A? You hit any any trails you have in mind or? Uh, nothing really planned. I basically found out yesterday that we got a room near there and they, it's not refundable. So they're like, Hey, if you want to use it, go ahead. So score. Nice. Well, you'll have to give us a feedback on uh, imaging about the bridge being out. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll go up by there and check it out and see, um, we might be doing a trail down at Montrose actually on Friday. Okay, because I gotta I gotta admit when uh, we got the report that that bridge was out on half of imaging, it kind of crushed you, crushed the soul a little bit. I was like, damn it! Every time I go out there, it's closed. Yeah, right. I actually just saw a post that uh, Poughkeepsie just opened up, so oh, I didn't nice. realize that one was still closed. Yeah, because it was out for reforestation. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into the questions. I, I heard a, a couple of people asking both in the, the Discord uh, server in the general ch uh, room and uh, here uh, whenever they got on the Zoom meeting. So uh, the newsletter went out uh, late today. Uh, that's the downside to having a full-time job. So if you guys would like to, and th there's no promises that it would be on time, but let's just say it would be. If you guys uh, uh, got enough listeners and uh, donated enough money where I could just do this as my living. Just saying, you get better service, possibly. <laughs> so anyway, the newsletter went out late today, and it had the uh, the list of questions, uh, which which are kind of all over the place. And uh, but uh, maybe we'll have some fun with this. So <clears throat> let me ask you this, because I'm not quite sure what the answer to this question is, and maybe you do. Uh, and, and if we don't, maybe you, the listener, knows the answer to this, and you can call into our uh, voicemail and let us know. Um, and, of course, our voicemail, you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and uh, you'll see our voicemail number and a bunch of other information over there. So if you need to tow another vehicle, which should you use? An elastic rope, you know, like uh, the uh, Yankum rope or the Bubba rope, uh, or an actual strap? Now, I didn't say tow strap because I figured that would give the answer away. <laughs> so this is Larry from uh, St. Louis area. So I know you're not supposed to tow with a bubble rope or, a, or the uh, kinetic ropes, but I would prefer that so when that thing goes tight, after some slack, it doesn't rip everything apart. <laughs> or your neck. <laughs> um, all right. Because the one thing nice about that is it 
keeps the tension fairly even versus all of a sudden when a person you're towing doesn't doesn't get that they're supposed to stop both of you <laughs> and all of a sudden it goes tight <laughs> play like play that bubble rope like a guitar is not good <laughs> no i would agree with that this is uh chris from oklahoma and uh yeah i i agree the kinetic rope would probably be the best bet because i used to live on a farm and when we would have to tug vehicles and when i was the one in the tugged vehicle uh you gotta get whiplash every once in a while and it's not a smooth rope like that so this is john from central texas i think well it sounds nice i think i think the real answer is uh it's got to be the post trap I, th- I think that there's a uh, a lot of safety issues with trying to use the uh the bubble rope as an actual tow rope I and mean, on the trail like just to get it off the trail that may be okay but i think uh if you're gonna do anything more than just that emergency off the trail you definitely want the tow strap i think that's right i mean and i didn't uh, specify in the in the question but that's what i was thinking is like you're, you you know the the vehicle's broken down you're trying to get it home or get it to their home and you're and you're giving them a tow on surface streets so uh, I can see some advantages to the uh, the the Bubba rope or the Yankum rope uh, off road for short distances, but I think the the long distance is going to be uh, using the tow strap is going to be the, your safest bet. And and, and I, but I don't know I don't know the answer to this. That's one of the reasons why I was asking to to get you, you get y'all's input. Yeah, I guess the question would be how many people here is towed <laughs> and to tow another vehicle. <laughs> yeah. This is Tony from Michigan. Actually, uh, I've done quite a bit of towing people. Well, you got the Renegade, so it makes sense. Oh, Oh, no, no. This is is definitely with a full-size truck. Oh, no, I Um, meant the Renegade being towed. (laughs) Oh, no. No, I actually have no issues with that either. Uh, Till soon, probably. But... Uh, no, I, I've always learned, my dad's always taught me that, uh, the tension and the actual elasticity and a toe strap is meant and purpose built to actually withstand scraping the road and being drug across. That's why it's actually more built like a tree saver strap than it would be a recovery strap or a kinetic energy rope where those have a lot more elasticity, a lot more give. That's interesting. I never thought about that, but yeah, it, uh, that, that makes sense. I mean, the, uh, the tow strap is purpose, purpose built, uh, for, for towing. I mean, you can, you can pull people out of uh, things as well, but, uh, I'm looking forward to using the, uh, the Yankum rope. You know, it's funny. I tried to order the Yankum rope and get it for the, uh, the event. I wasn't anticipating, you know, uh, pulling anybody out, uh, of a situation, but uh, uh, I wanted it for the uh, for the event, the June Fourth event that we we had, the second annual Jeep Talk Show event, and it came in on the day that I left to go. So it came in on Friday. I, I left Friday morning. It came in Friday afternoon, but I got it now, and of course it's red. Yeah, with all that. Go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, Tony. I was gonna say I think that the toaster app would work would work great. They do work great when you're on nice flat ground. Right, but if you're if you're in a trail or something that's got a lot of I'll call it contour to it, you that's where that bubble rope would come in big for that because you can't. It's going to be hard to try to keep that that toe strap tight. And when you're on a 
street or something like that, you know, the back vehicle is the one responsible for keeping that tension. That's exactly what I was going to get at is when you're recovering a vehicle, you don't want that big concussion when you actually get the rope tight or the strap tight, where when you're towing down a road, that that elasticity really affects your braking, your stopping, and right. really the the whole control of the vehicle being towed. Is there a legality piece of this on the actual street that we don't know? I know some engineer somewhere is probably going off saying that it's all about the <laughs> lift rating and working load capacity and this and that, but I'm just saying what I've been told. <laughs> right. I know areas I live in, they see you on a tow strap, you're getting pulled over. Oh, yeah. Same here. Oh, yeah. I'd- Interesting. Hmm. Like any tow strap, it doesn't matter if it's like the correct one for the job or anything like that. Yeah. If yeah. one's hooked to the other, that's they, they consider it a toe strap. I've never had an issue, at least where I live, with that. Um, I've told oh, literally people across counties. <laughs> it's, it's like the, area by area. It's, it's like the yeah. guy driving down the road with his arm hanging onto the mattress on the roof like that's gonna hold it down. <laughs> they let those people go just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were uh, so, up, we used chains on a lot of things. I don't know if anybody's ever done that before. But yeah. That was, that was a week. Most of our street towing or whatever was chains, not either strap. Chains so, just only have a certain life. <laughs> this is Bob in uh, Colorado. And growing up in farming and trucking, we actually used braided nylon, the giant white tow ropes. We had them custom made and eyelets put in them for pulling trucks and heavy stuff. And like out on the farm, if we had to move something and we were going to be going across any rocks or across the field or anything, we'd use log chains, big, heavy, massive log chains. And if it was somewhere we had to shock it a little bit, because you don't want to sh- hard shock a chain, because all it takes is one fatigue link and you've got a buzzsaw flying at you. We would actually take old tires and put them in between the chains to give it a little shock absorption. Right. Um, going down the road, if if it was just pulling straight down the road, it was always a flat toe strap. Um, And one of the reasons I think my dad liked doing that was a rope or anything will always drops the same side down and it's just the edge of the rope, that white nylon rope or whatever hitting it. Where the toe strap is broad and kind of skids across the road, it doesn't wear when it drops onto the road at all the way the nylon braided ropes do. So that's really interesting how you did those chains. I know I actually use like a six foot logging chain that's like it's gotta be like half inch in diameter each link, but I use that for my main attachment from my recovery strap to whatever vehicle I'm recovering and uh, if they don't have a desired tow point. But I'm going to I'm gonna have to get that out and do that tire trick to it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like your bubble rope in the middle. Yep. Yep. Remember, the bubble ropes aren't, aren't that. They really have not been out that long in this grand scheme of things. Yep. Yeah, I think those things are a great idea. Uh, it really gives a, a, a vehicle, if it doesn't have... <laughs> A lot of weight more pulling power because of that kinetic uh, energy so 
And apparently, it's a lot uh, easier on both vehicles when you use that when you're pulling somebody out. I know. To take the question one step further, though, that you asked me, I wonder about anything about the shackles, steel versus soft shackles for towing instead of recovery. Would you ever use a soft shackle for towing a vehicle down the road? I personally don't care for the soft shackles. I don't care if that's the the popular thing to go with. Um, as long as you have a a high enough rated uh, steel shackle, you shouldn't have a problem. And who's and how are you going to break a window with a uh, soft shackle anyway? That'd take a lot of a lot of pull before that thing would break a window, right? <laughs> Takes fun out of it. Yeah, there's an excitement that you that you lose, and I know there's going to be some people out there. Oh, it's just dangerous. Well, the God, you know, life is dangerous. Uh, something's going to kill you. Uh, and I'm not saying be stupid about it, but you, if you're smart about what you're using and take the precautions, uh, it can be safe. I mean, look, I hate to go th- back to the uh, the SpaceX thing, but look at the hell what SpaceX is doing. Gee whiz, talk about dangerous. So we use steel shackles all the time and rigging and, and chains for binding stuff down. But uh, the soft shackles, if not even a safety standpoint, the handiness of them, uh, we used them out at the uh, event when we pulled Guy in his YJ back to uh, the park or off the trail on that last run. He didn't have a good recovery point. His recovery hooks on the front of his Jeep were all loose. So we went around his bumper tie-in on that tube bumper with a soft shackle uh, instead of using a recovery hook. But it's really nice for that, the soft shackles. You can slide them into things and go around it. Uh, as long as it's got a little diameter to it, you don't have to worry about it binding or cutting it. Mm-hmm. But it makes it handy not having to feed a whole tow rope through and put a hitch on it. There's nothing wrong with having a different tool that gives you uh, uh, more ways to, to use it. And that sounds like what you're talking about with the soft shackle. Uh, oh, yeah. Just one more tool. Right. Even if it's not a safety thing, it's the more you have with you, the better you can, better chance you got of of it working. Yeah, I'm not anti-safety, but I'm I'm also too not. Let's only do this because it's safe. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get the job done, and sometimes uh, worrying about the the safety, overly worrying about the safety side of it, doesn't get the job done. Well, Steve from Chicago, there's a video out there on YouTube by a guy called um, Ohio Off Road, and he was showing where he was using a soft shackle with the snatch block and under tension the snatch block cut into the soft shackle and that thing came flying back within a foot of his head yeah that was operator error well, absolutely and he did a great analysis at the back how you know it wasn't the right application and he just wasn't he shouldn't have used that and yeah but still i saw that that's that would Jesus, talk about changing your underwear. <laughs> there's, the, there's another part to it, actually. Um, a lot of people are buying these shop shackles, and they're not getting the ones that have the nylon sheathing over the top of them. And then they're using them on anything that's not perfectly smooth, because then you're just going to cut right through the rope. That nylon sheathing they put over all of them is is what makes them durable right. more than anything else. Well, and there's also a proper way to, you know, to, to orient like the knot and stuff like that i mean there's there's videos on that in terms of if you have the the big ball like in the middle on there that's the wrong way it should be 
at either end of that, you know of the connection so even you know using the soft shackle you have to make sure you're using it correctly or it creates these pinch points that create failure points and see the well, it's interesting because the income rope um, go ahead steve i mean the d-rings it's 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 you put it in you screw it you tighten it down and that's it you don't have to worry about that there you, you know they doing actually, all the right angle and where the knot is and all well that. actually Yank yankum rope said that on one of their videos when I, I they don't doesn't matter where you put it really I, the video i saw was from yankum rope and they were showing the right way and the wrong way <laughs> and they must have changed their video in the last couple of years yeah it was it like was, instagram like a recent post i saw them put out there on the soft shack <clears throat> i like it for speed honestly because you yeah. know when just like when we were at the jeep talk show event and like Braden got stuck no one even knew i i grabbed my my rope attach it to his jeep and he didn't have a toe point i put it through where he where his uh barely would go and around his bumper and yanked him out and you know i was gone in less than two minutes and i don't even knew i that he had gotten stuck because he got stuck at an obstacle and couldn't back up because his diff was sitting on a rock yeah i think uh both soft shackles and classic d-rings are definitely they both have their time and place for small jobs and quick stuff or even larger jobs if you're equipped with the right stuff to go with the soft shackle like that factor i think it's factor 55 makes that weird little donut to use as a uh as a pulley mm -hmm. well those are specifically made for the uh the, the soft, soft stuff right yeah yeah right. because like he said they can't use the uh the normal or else it'll just cut right through it um but other than that uh, you're all you're always i feel like if it comes down to a big job you're gonna end up relying on the classic chains and actual heavy duty well, ropes and straps well i say this repeatedly and i think i i don't think anybody shot this down yet well that's the reason why the commercial industry uses the steel and the steel cables and the 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 big ass uh, d rings and everything else is because they need that stuff to work and they need it to work every day that they're using it and uh they don't need to be you know having to uh worry about uh the sun uh sharp uh, sticks and uh, pointy rocks well, it depends what what industry you're talking about. Because if you look at Matt's off road recovery, well, that's, he's not, also, that's he's, not an industry though. That's not uh, okay, a shipping yard and type stuff. That's just really an, uh, that's a business. But I mean, every single one of his yep. records probably still has steel. And if you go into heavy lifting nowadays, like hoist and cranes, they're all switching over too. Oh, good! I did not oh, know really? that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any proof of that, Larry, or are you just saying it to, to mess with me? <laughs> I'm just saying it to piss you off. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's going to come. It's just like uh, electric uh, electric vehicles. It's going to come. I just don't think the time is there yet. Uh, so, uh, yeah. It's like anything else. They're all tools, right? Right. It's, it's, they all have a purpose. Some better than the others. It's the old saying, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm-hmm. But, and there's a lot know, of stuff you can do with a hammer, uh, you know. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the next one. This is a bit self-serving, but I love the self-serving questions. Things that help out the uh, the Jeep Talk Show or me. So, if you attended the second annual Jeep Talk Show event, what was your favorite part? And this might be a, a question that we asked once before on another episode, but I don't think it was on a, a roundtable episode. So. Uh, I know we have uh, several attendees here, uh, at least one want, uh, wannabe attendee, which is Steve-O. Oh, uh, so, God. Steve, 
you, you can jump in with your uh, your comment about mi- probably missing Texas and not seeing red jeeps. Christopher wasn't there either. <laughs> yeah, see, I wanted to go though. You were the one that didn't want to go. <laughs> You're a hell of a lot closer. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve wanted to go, but it was a it was like a a, a sixty five hour drive or something. Yeah. So I'll I'll take a stab at that. This is Bill from Central Texas. I would say that Saturday night night wheeling that we did. Oh, that was a blast. And I think a big part of that was, you know, several of us were kind of tied up with the event, you know, whether it was was cooking or or guiding trails, you know, we were everybody was kind of on point, you know, kind of hosting the event. And I think Saturday night was kind of a, you know, the main event was kind of done and, you know, the cooking was done and it was basically just everybody going out there wheeling, having a good time at being dark with all the lights. And then, you know, at the end there, you know, we were kind of climbing up that obstacle and it was just kind of this utter chaos. And you had the side-by-sides going by, you know, with the (laughs) the music and going in circles. It was just like a a giant circus of of vehicles and lights. And Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of fun. And then I think we had guy over there is YJ's broken down. So you got a bunch of guys over there trying to (laughs) all working on that, trying to, you know, get him, get him up and, 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 and going again. And it was just, I don't know. It was just a, I think it was like the perfect kind of end to the, the event. Actually, you know, I think that, uh, that, uh, Chuck have renting that zips house was a, a really, I mean, we had some downside to, to everybody congregating, congregating at uh, Chuck's rental, but it, I think it gave it more of a homey feel, uh, where we had a place that, that we could uh, sit and talk. And we were like at a house to standing around outside, like, uh, shooting the shit like people do. And uh, if we had been over there in uh, the uh, the area B or whatever it was, I don't think it would have it would have felt as homey as it did. Right. And uh, but it was it was really neat with the trees and the house and uh, just uh, some of the shade and uh, going out that evening. I would say that was probably a perfect evening weather wise too. It, it yeah. had been hot that day, but it was now cooler. And uh, you could enjoy the outdoors. And, uh, oh, the other thing, you know, you guys are going to make me buy rock lights now because uh, I couldn't use the, uh, the the big lights that I put on the front to blind everybody. But the rock lights look really cool with the, to seeing the, the Jeeps crawl over the trails and stuff. So uh, it, was a, it was a surreal scene. Well, I think, uh, and just for me or whatever, just kind of like, seeing Jimmy kind of get back out there, you know, after earlier in the day, you know, having a little bit of a scare there, but seeing him kind of get back at it and, you know, really kind of hit some of the kind of some of the harder lines out there, uh, you know, on the FMTRO. I think that was kind of kind mm-hmm. of cool to see as well. So Jimmy, I, I have a thought for you. You need to get before your next outing, you need to get a, uh, inclimeter and inclimeter inclimeter thing, <laughs> thing that tells you how far the, uh, how far you tilt your vehicle, like off camber, but it needs to be a digital one. So it like, it will hold the value. So you can uh, set the bottle. I mean, not the bottle. You can set the, uh, the line to beat like 60 degrees, 65 degrees and didn't roll it. So, <laughs> you know, I think I'm better off not knowing. The video relax- reaction was probably better you not knowing. Oh, that was only 57. What am I whining about? <laughs> the last thing you want to be looking at when you're going sideways is your inclometer. I'm sorry. You know, no, uh, that's just, why. That's why you need it digitally to record it, so you you don't have to pay attention to it, where it just shows you the high water mark. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, because we were wheeling this weekend, and I had a buddy riding the jeep. He's like, 
what was what was the pitch and i'm like dude i was more concerned about where i was going next not about where i was at that's why you need well, a navigator any, anyone's welcome to take the the hood line from my dash cam oh, and, true. and josh is the vertical and figure out what that angle is Nah, josh leans a little bit so he leans to the right <laughs> okay so we'll add an extra standard deviation we'll put it about five degrees there okay? we go <laughs> I think the the other one I would add in to what Bill said because I I agree that that night win was probably my favorite part of the whole thing um, was Larry Bill and I went out the morning of like directly I mean the storm <laughs> hadn't even finished it was still raining oh was it okay and that little slip slide oh shit you might want to take this out kind of just trying to get around that made the trails a lot harder uh, as we were going out there. Um, that was actually a lot of fun. We got to see the falls run us fun. And um, yeah, I think that that whole morning was was pretty cool. Gained yeah, a little appreciation pretty. for that what you guys call dirt down there. That pre mix that ready mix concrete. <laughs> the, the minute it gets the minute it gets wet, it goes to slime, and then it hardens right back up by about twenty minutes later. So oh, yeah. So I know this isn't great podcasting, but we have video here. So you guys actually, if you join the Zoom meeting, you can see the video. Uh, and I got to ask, Larry, I see the colors are changing on your face. Are you at a strip club and you just got the Zoom uh, meeting background doing there? How are you, how are you keeping the <laughs> – you waving the girls off? Hey, look, how I earn money on and my side job is up to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> <are> expensive. <laughs> No, I, I, I see it changing red. He, he goes the, the color changes red on his face. I go. He's sitting next to a stage. Hey, <laughs> sitting next to the TV. <laughs> uh, right. One thing, one thing I, I forgot to mention, but I, I kind of feel like it's important to mention. Was I really like the uh, the evening camaraderie after the night wheeling, yep. sitting around you know, old videos that Chuck brought. Uh, like the crazy people in the the old the old new jeeps yeah the the number bars on them just and they were racing it wasn't like they were just going over obstacles they were seeing how fast they could run these things up crazy rock obstacles and it was that was really cool sitting around i think we had a couple cigars going a few uh few beverages and just kind of hanging out, shooting the shit. That was that was pretty cool as well. The yeah. lady forming the bridge to get the jeep uh, over the little little uh, gully there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then my wife calling because she couldn't get a hold of me. I was just uh, going to say, there's no you you, you the, <laughs> the amount of fun that you're having in your evening is directly related to your wife calling you and asking you, "Are you okay?" <laughs> And that's that was the high mark. It, you know, that told us that this is the great event uh, when John's wife was trying to find his ass. It's <laughs> kind of like when your phone vibrates during a lap dance. No, so always call her before you start uh, hanging out with your buddies and drinking beer. <laughs> and telling lies because it just gets too too much fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and and several of you guys missed out on that. Uh, I was standing there. We were we were standing around. Was it the we were standing around Chuck Scrambler uh, telling lies about stuff? Yeah, it was a scrambler. I think it was what Bill, you, uh, Josh, Chuck, and uh, myself. I think was that at the very end of the night. And then after I left, I heard that uh, Mary Lee came out and passed um, <laughs> his jaw for uh, keeping Chuck up till like one in the morning or something. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was Chuck. You're going to be driving that 18 with her home. <laughs> tell your friends to go home. Yeah, go tell ahead. your little tell your little friends to go home. Don't make me call their mothers. <laughs> Turn the street light off. Yeah, turn the street light off. Okay. 
right. Well, let's see. Let's jump over to this one. Uh, and uh, so this is kind of just way outside of what we've been talking about. Uh, and it just kind of came to me. Do you guys go by when you're going to change the oil in your Jeep or in any vehicle? Do you go by how many miles are on the oil? Or how long the oil has been in the Jeep, especially now. Uh, and I think people are getting back to normal where we're driving back and forth to work more often. But during the the, the two years of the pandemic, uh, we weren't driving our vehicles as as much. Chris John never does. Uh, actually, this is a great a great question for you, John. Do you go by time or mileage on uh, changing your oil? Neither. Uh, um, I go by what I've done on that that run of oil. So if I've been out to hidden falls like several times in the summer it's extremely dusty out there and everything else um, i'll probably change that to, i just looked at my records and i think last time i changed it was last august but i've only put uh, 1800 miles on it since then so uh <laughs> it's kind of but here's the thing most of those miles have been to hidden falls like just to drive out to hidden falls and spend all day out there and and kind of running around it gets really dusty so i'll run it and then uh the other times you're like you know, going to Colorado, I want to change it to kind of before I go out there. Because when you're changing the oil, you're also checking other things and everything. So it kind of kind of helps. So it really, I don't have a, a set schedule, although I try to make sure I do it at least once a year um, and, and get the oil changed, everything else. But, uh, and I just use the regular old Mopar 5W20, whatever it comes with. I don't use anything fancy or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't use miles or, or time. It's more just what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we just make sure everybody's clear on this. Uh, John uh, tries to change his oil once a year, but he's only put 1,800 miles on it in a year. So don't think that you can get away with, uh, oh, John does every year. I do it once a year, too. It it really it just really depends, like John is saying. John, it's interesting. You talk about dust on the trail. Have you ever used or thought about using a an oil analyzing service? Uh, I haven't. No, uh, I run. I, when I do the change, I also... I kind of look at my oil filter. In fact, one of the big things that tells me I need to change my oil is, is looking at my air filter. And when I start changing my air filters, I know it's looking really, really bad. That's something I'm like, yeah, it's been a while. I might want to go ahead and, and get it changed. Though. Uh, but I've never thought about using one of those services. I guess, I guess what kind of interval would you think is a good one to do that? Just once every 30,000 miles or something? Yeah, I think it would just kind of in general thing. Of course, uh, you go to a website, they probably tell you. They're, of course, they're probably like Jiffy Lube or something. They want you to do it every 2,000, uh, test your oil test at every 2,000 miles. I know Dan over at the 4x4 uh, podcast uh, actually uh, did a, or had a story, at least on one of his episodes, about uh, doing a oil analysis. And uh, uh, But I'm sure that if you go to one of the sites, I'm looking at uh, Blackstone Laboratories, uh, and uh, I'm sure that the, that website, uh, blackstone-labs.com, which I've never gone to before, I just did a search, so uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. But uh, they they you know they just test oil. It could be gasoline, diesel, motorcycle, industrial, aviation, marine, uh, transmission. Oh, the transmission would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? If you had an automatic transmission, or really even a uh, a standard transmission, uh, it, it would be good to know how many uh, metal metal particles are in there. Well, I do have this on a on a rhythm. So I do those at thirty-five thousand. So you're so using the rhythm method. The rhythm method. You're saying. <laughs> oh, almost, Steve. You almost beat me. <laughs> I do the, uh, the uh, manual transmission and the transfer case and the dip. All the <laughs> yeah. I get maybe I get maybe two months out of an oil change, and that's about three thousand miles. <laughs> 
So what is the soil analysis? I'm, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah, I, I didn't know about it until Dan uh, talked about it on his podcast. So basically, uh, you pee in a cup. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something else. Basically, you uh, you send some oil uh, in to be analyzed, and they give you an idea, I guess, of uh, – it's been a while since I heard heard his episode, but they give you an idea of what's in the oil. They give you an idea of how what the, the status of the, the engine or whatever uh, device the oil was in, uh, and I, I'm sure they need to know. Uh, they can probably tell by what comes out in the test. But uh, uh, it uh, break down the heavy metals in it. Yeah, and uh, let you know if you've if you've got some damage going on or something that you need to be concerned about, or maybe it's time to put your uh, uh, put your uh, your Jeep up on uh, uh, the Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> did they do that for uh, brake fluid? Any fluid? I I did not see that on there. I did not see brake fluid on there. But uh, you would think you, that maybe you're talking about there. your XJ never changing the the brake fluid made me think of that. Yeah, let let that <laughs> let that be a lesson to you, folks. Just because they they want you to change that brake fluid, that doesn't mean that you initially have to. It's like the the toothpaste commercials. I didn't know until uh, relatively recently that uh, they put that big huge glob of toothpaste on the. Uh, uh, the toothbrush in the commercials, and you shouldn't use any amount like that. It needs to be much less because most of that's going down the drain. Interesting. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I never thought of that. Well, makes you know, sense. I, I wish Chris was here. Uh, I could just say, "Hey, Chris," uh, but I'll have to send uh, Chris a message and say, "Hey, let's get a an oil analysis uh, a, a vendor on here and 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 get these questions answered." Because I'd like to know too. So we use we've used that a lot in the past on injection molding machines because they're their hydraulic machines and periodically send that fluid out. And what they'll do is they'll analyze it and they'll tell you what heavy metals are in it. And, you know, as far as quantities and from there, you can kind of break down if it's a pump going out or, you know, what part of the machine. And it's the same thing for an engine. You can, you can try to decipher, you know, you get, is it bearings going out or what is it? Right, because if you got a heavy concentration of, let's say, silica or aluminum, well, that's pistons. It's like a heart scan for your for your Jeep. Yeah, right. Tells you what's going bad in the body. Well, doctors definitely a blood blood check. Yeah, I was just going to say doctors love doing uh, blood tests, and that's kind of what what we're talking about here, isn't it? All right. Well, um, so uh, anybody else? How how do you do the thing? Do you just go by the mileage, the time, or uh, when the little light comes on and says uh, you're 100 percent utilized? Because you know it, it's doing. I, it's got sensors and everything, so it's kind of doing all oil analysis for you. <laughs> I get a text message on the dash now. I do. Oh, really? This is Rich from Colorado. I usually do it about every season. So every for winter. I'll change it, and then for summer I'll change it. Uh, this past time I did it with the engine, so I don't have to worry about it for for a while. Do you uh, do you change the oil viscosity based on the the season, or you just stay with the same stuff all the time? Generally, I don't, but I probably should. I don't know. It's being here in Colorado; it does get cold enough that I probably should. Um, I have. But I've never stuck to it. Uh, this is Chris from Oklahoma. And uh, just so you know, I made it home. I didn't die. Oh, your audio sounds much better. We can tell you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then for the oil, I drive probably 30 to 40 miles a day one way to work. So about 80 miles round trip. 
and I changed my oil about 3,000 to 5,000 miles. So that time stuff will be out the window. Uh, I would probably hit 10,000 before John changes his oil once. <laughs> yeah, because I don't mind about every 3,000 miles. And if you go by what's on the dash, it still said I was at 40%. But I'm not curious. Bill has the side by side. You don't rack the miles up on that, Bill. What do you do with the side by side? Just change it once a year. Okay. I, I mean, I'm, that's I'm only setting. putting. I mean, I mean, if I look at miles, I may only put sixty, seventy miles on it a year. So yeah. This is uh, this is Tony from Michigan again. Um, I know with my Renegade, I pretty much just kind of religiously go by the dash light when it comes on because i know uh the newer full synthetics have quite a bit longer life than the conventional oils but when it comes to the xj it really all just depends i'm kind of like john lee it all depends on what i've done how far i've sunk it or what kind of conditions it's been through or how it's running as a big one i tend to lose more oil than i need to uh pull out when i change it though well, and I'll pretty much just dump anything in it from straight weight to I've ran like like fifty percent Lucas oil stabilizer in it before just to get it home. And I think yeah, Tony brings a good point on synthetics, right? It used to be it was the standard was three thousand or three or three months, right? And I know with the JLs that run the OW twenty, they recommend five thousand or six months. So I think it depends on what kind of oil you're using. You know, it's funny. You also have a tighter engine. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The uh, the Gladiator, uh, the twenty twenty one Gladiator, they recommend every ten thousand miles to change the oil. That's how a lot of diesels are. You got the three point six in there, right? Yeah. The OW twenty. Yeah. So if you look at old manuals, most vehicles recommended uh, in harsh conditions three thousand five thousand to seventy five hundred for standard use right if you weren't in high traffic and stuff the oil companies have always recommended three thousand miles oh, this but like most a- auto manufacturers if you looked at the manuals in older vehicles a lot of them were higher than that it's just like the toothpaste commercial i was talking about the people selling the yeah. the toothpaste want you to use more of it i think now I have a great method for changing my oil. Oh, here it comes. Because I have such horrible luck with the rear main seal. I just change the oil every time I change the rear main seal. <laughs> well, was, you're you're constantly gonna, changing it anyway. <laughs> I was just gonna say if you got a rear main seal leak, then you're just every time. Yeah, you, you always have new oil in there. Yeah, the oil is pretty fresh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have four thousand miles on it and I've changed the rear main seal. Uh, I think I've done three on that one. Oh, you got a problem? No, two. I've done two. I've done two on that one. Okay. You got some sort of problem there. Something's not... And this uh, one still leaks. In balance. Oh, some scored in there or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's oil. How, how often everybody changed their diff fluid running through high water crossings and all that? How often does that get changed? You, you can't change it very often and expect to get chocolate pudding, Larry. <laughs> I was just about to say when it turns into milk. Yeah. Every time I have to re-gear again. Yeah. What that? that damn pinion keeps but... going out. I don't know what the hell problem is. Uh mine is only at thirty five, Larry. Let's try to keep it at. 
but I try to do all of them at once, the transfer and transmission of both the front desks. So I know it's probably quicker than you need or whatever, but just, like I don't put a lot of miles, but I do put pretty hard miles on it when I do. So it's kind of a, I look at it as I almost half it. Um, but, you know, like later this year, I'm going to probably put more miles on it between August and the end of the year than I have in the last years combined. We go to Colorado and then up to Hot Springs and all that. So, Probably oh, do it yeah, all. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but it's the your Jeep's getting ready to be really happy going to Colorado. Oh, Saturday, huh? Yeah. Isn't that when we're getting together to work on stuff? Yeah, I need to bleed my brakes, I think, when we get over there. A little wrenching party. So Travis isn't going to say it, but I'm going I'm to say it. He's sitting there shaking his head and saying, you poor bastards and your engines that need oil. I just drive my electric one. I don't need no stinking oil. No, what I was actually going to say is, like, I plan on 3,000 when I've got engine miles. And right now, as I look down, uh, bought it in April, I've got 3,767 miles on my Jeep. Um, I plan on 3,000 engine miles. When the engine's gone three, I'm going to do it. And then I'm probably going to switch back to 5,000. I just want to do three for that initial go. My YJ is not a daily driver and hasn't been on the road, but I'm doing it twice a year, uh, regardless. Yeah. Hey, it's easy for me to do at home. You know, it's lifted up. It, I can get under it. I don't have any leaks, um, but wow. I'll, it's usually when I put my top on and take my top off, I change the oil, regardless of where it's at, what's going on, how many miles I have or have not driven, because the YJ is more or less, it, it, before I owned the new 4XE, the YJ was, I'm driving it to shows. I'm, I'm putting miles on it, then I'm tra- I'm taking it off-road and wheeling it. So it's all harsh terrain, but then it would just sit, and then I'd drive it, you know, to the mountains to a show, to the beach to a show. Um, so it was twice a year on it, and I'd never put, I didn't put 3,000 miles on it, but I'm like, no, I'm still changing the oil. Yeah. It was just a routine I had on the YJ. And the next day, I'll run 5,000, but with all the computers and keeping me up to date on where it's at on the electric miles is what I've got to go by because current miles is yeah. 3,700, but yet only 16 of those are gas. Right. So it makes sense to me that they would track both, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, I didn't realize they were doing that and that makes it a lot easier. Uh, like, like what you're doing, keep keeping up with the oil changes, because if you're doing a lot of elect, a lot of electric miles, that definitely would change, uh, change the time frame for your oil change. So the, your, right. four, your 4XE actually tells you uh, in uh, internal combustion engine versus uh, electric engine miles. Electric. Yes, what, it does. What kind of a main on the electric components i was just about to ask is uh like zero a, is what they're telling me uh you can't read that never zero never this, i mean uh that's wrong um it's it's as of right now that might be some knowledge i uh, they're they're like no you don't need electric maintenance i mean unless something goes wrong which hopefully the case nothing goes wrong you know it's it's when I got it, I'm checking my fuses that they're all seated. I'm checking, you know, that was a big issue with the 4XE that fuses weren't seated. And but other than that, it's an electric motor. It just runs. That's really um, shocking. As long as you don't have any battery <laughs> maintenance issues, you know, it's so are the batteries in the 4XE water cooled? 
They are they're yeah, they're water cooled and heated. So wouldn't the coolant eventually it's need gotta, to be changed? Uh, Since it's going through heat cycles. As as of right now, I'm not getting any I, all my research and everything done, and that might be a flaw in the system. But it's yeah, no, you're not changing that. I don't have access to it. I don't know if my techs do. Wow. How do the electric components integrate with the drivetrain? Um, it's not a transmission. It is a. It's it's on the transmission. It's the um, it's the tor torque converter, isn't it, uh, Travis? Or it's the, a torque converter. The torque yeah, converter yeah, is torque the electric converter. motor. Um, and it's just smooth switching from back and forth. So when you do drive to work, it. So when you do a transmission service, I mean if the torque converter, so that that normally has a lot of transmission fluid in a regular engine, right? That that goes into it. Um, does that impact the transmission service at all? Do they do something different? They, uh, you're getting into questions that I haven't researched yet. So <laughs> we're going to have to come back to those questions. I'd be interested if it's the same. I'd love to. That'd be, that'd be interesting. We'll go to the right. service department. What's the cost on the transmission service for a 4XC versus the, the regular 8 speed? I don't know if anyone. There, yeah, and the 21s are in. I mean, mine, the 21s have yet to come back through with any unless they're you know shipped and there's issues someone bought it and it's got a problem the ones that have been running good i haven't had a single one come back in for regular service routines um and i'm nowhere near that yet you know with the program well purchasing under the lease for the rebate ding 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 um you know i i i'll see it and learn it as i go through you know, but I've yet to have a 21 come through with those regular service routine checkups. You know, Travis, you bring a uh, bring up a good point. The government helped you uh, buy that Jeep, and and the money came yes. from the people of us. So we all need uh, some, yes. some time driving your Jeep, is what I'm saying, because we help pay I'd, for it. <laughs> I'd let every customer that comes through, because we don't have any sitting on our lot. Oh, Any customer that comes through, I have put them in my vehicle and like, let's go for a drive. Let's see if this is what you want. And I've just or turned people away from it, learning their driving conditions. And then I've suggested to other people learning their driving conditions. This is a good vehicle and a good fit um, because it truly is situational driving if it's a good vehicle to own or not. Right. And a lot of salesmen are like, hey, this is great. This is great. No, it's it's not in certain situations. Um, you're making a mistake. I don't want to say a mistake. If you're looking for a penny pincher and saving money, it is not that if you aren't set up for it and, and you're driving routines. Right. Well, and it really depends on how far you got to drive and what your charging options are at uh, both points. Uh, so, yeah. Both points. Yeah. Um, okay. So, we, we have a few minutes left, uh, a free minute. So, I guess this would be uh, free time, maybe recess. Did you guys always enjoy recess where you just go and do what you want to do? Uh, well, now, uh, and I, I just my fear is that there's going to be crickets. But does anybody have a topic they would like bring to bring up, or maybe talk more about one of the the questions that we had tonight? Well, so Steve from Chicago, and this is more for Travis, I guess. Have you uh, played around with those solar chargers yet that the Chiefs on? I saw my first one this past weekend. I have not. Um, we do not have one at URI yet. Um, 
I'll try it if it's there. I, I say that because I'll go e-save and save the batteries till I'm off-road. That said, uh, at an event this past weekend to raise money for a family in need, I uh, ran into a guy with a 4XE on 37s. Um, he, he tells me, now granted, he's on a daily driver of the vehicle. He's a truck driver and he bought it. He lifted it, put it on 37s. And he's like, I haven't lost any mileage off-road. And he goes, I've been to Uari. I've done Dickie Bell, um, which is our uh, badge of honor trail. And he's like, didn't have any issues. I rubbed in a few spots on my 37, but cruised through it. And he said, I was in four low and I didn't go through any battery. He goes, I did the entire day. You know, and he goes, I was out there all afternoon on 20 mile, 20 mile range, but in four low and anytime you're downhill or going, you've got the regenerative braking because like, I get cranked it back in and I ran all day on this 20 mile battery, um, which really, truly impressed me. Uh, but I haven't had, you know, me, I'd, I'd e-save, I'd run in gas all the way there and then I'd turn the battery on once I was there. And he's like, yeah, it's a golf cart mode. And I went all day with it. So, right. you know, once, once, and I've got a charger at work, which is 15 minutes from the entrance to the park. Um, you know, if I wanted to, but again, I didn't really care to be buying a gas saving, you know, save the world energy vehicle. My daily routine through to and from work, it is. And I'm going to use it the full avenue i can to save money in my daily routine driving but when i'm on my weekend warrior trips i could care less i've got money to buy gas i'll do what i gotta do it's torquey it's got crazy power um i cannot say i've personally done it but he said he had zero issues on that trail and i was just i got his name i got his number he's like let's go wheel i'm like i'm down i'm really curious to know what the we you know we all pack tools and everything for rigs when we go out on trails or you know especially big trail rides i'd be curious to see what some of those new tools look like for the 4xe because and some of that i don't know if you want to attempt getting into it well you just bring a you know one of those little aed devices someone has a heart attack or the jeep has eyes you can use it for both clear <laughs> it back <laughs> so you know, I mean, if, if you get into those systems, that's that's a very high voltage. Oh yeah, it's dangerous. Then more reason you need the AED. <laughs> it's a backup, exactly. <laughs> All your airbags. Well, I watched out. a video where a guy was out with his 4XE Rubicon and going down the forest road, hit a stick and it jammed up underneath. And it actually pushed into the coolant system for the battery. Oh, no. The coolant drained out, and it was just dead. He couldn't even run it on gas. Mm. Oh, wow. It just shut down. They had to tow it off the trail and get it towed to the dealership. That's good. I've read a few different scenarios where the batteries are gone because we don't have an alternator. Um, we don't have certain systems to get it up and going. If, if the batteries are out, you're done. Um, and that's something I was unaware of previous. I'm like, there's the coolant you know, system underneath. Cause I thought the batteries were underneath the, the back seat. They're under the seats, but this running to running to it. It's, but I don't, that coolant system, it, I don't know how it hit it. Unless a stick got way up in there. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like those, we've yeah, got the skid plates in our room. Yeah, come up and like, right. stab the bottom of the vehicle. Yeah, right. Right. yeah. I mean, that was vacuum hoses on my Wajay. That could have hit you a few Vacuum hoses on my Wajay, it, it yeah. went up and got it. You know, but it's, it's I mean, that, that that's there in every aspect of every Jeep on, you know, one line or another. Yeah, it blew my gas, but yeah, you can patch a gas line. Um, but that battery. So they have skid plates yeah, and everything down there protecting all the cool oh, yeah. lines or? But yeah, it on the Rubicon. Or only the Rubicon. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. The Rubicon. Yeah. The so Sahara Travis, and the high altitude, no. So how do, how do they jump that vehicle if they need to? Is there, is there a procedure for that? or you, you can normal jump it. A jump box or another vehicle to the 12 volt in the hood. Okay. Well, even our JLs, Larry, right? I mean, with the two batteries, I have a special little jumper cable to jumper two of those terminals together so that you can right. basically jump, jump both batteries at the same time because they're kind of isolated from each other. And, and you need both of them to start the vehicle because one's like, I think, controlling the pump and then the other one's like the starter. Right. Yeah, the 4XE kind of throws a lot of the curveballs at, at mm -hmm. some of that. Well, it's curveballs that we're all going to have to figure out. I mean, because, you know, it's a matter of time before the electronic electric car technology catches up enough to where we see a lot more of it out there. So, Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm not planning on yeah, having an electric vehicle until that's the only source of power for the, for the vehicle. I do not want multiple systems because uh, yeah. you, you have the interaction between the two, the debugging of what the problem is. Uh, and just the you multiply your issues when you have a, a hybrid a hybrid system. Uh, to me, if it's hybrid, that means the technology is not there yet because it's a workaround. And uh, I, I'm not planning on having something that is one of two things. Uh, I mean, it are two different things. It's going to have to be one system. And I'm I'm really really looking forward to the all electric system. But you know, with a 200 uh, 400 mile range. Uh, personally, I would really like to just buy the vehicle, and it has all the energy that you need uh, with it until like a nuclear submarine. <laughs> you know, you just you just drive it until you sell it, and then uh, somebody gets it with the you know ten thousand or a hundred thousand miles left on it, and uh, then they they drive it, and the uh, the fuel cell or or whatever thing it is powering it uh, is not something that's replaced. You just uh, it, you know it's like the phones; they do the phones now. I mean, technically you could change the battery, but generally speaking, you don't. You just get into the phone. But you're still charging that phone day in day out until you get a new phone. Well, but I'm, what I'm talking about is a you system know. that you don't charge. You have oh. you have energy that's that uh, runs the ve the vehicle, the life of the vehicle, the expected life of the vehicle. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like the like Tony like, Stark arc reactor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not you're not <laughs> adding fuel to it. It just runs and produces energy. Very futuristic type thing. Or like I said, a nuclear submarine. It has fuel, but the fuel has a half life of fifty thousand years. You're basically talking with these little willies out there, aren't you? What's that? You're going to be chuck with the little willies out there. Exactly. The the more the more people that use the electric, that means there's to be more fuel for me. I saw Bill laugh pretty hard when I said little willies. I don't think Chuck would appreciate you calling his willy really little. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His willies are tiny. Oh. But they go anywhere. 
Well, yeah, that's the Jeez. nature of being little. Uh, and, and the, but but whenever they start calling you Q-tip, it gets a little bit uh, insulting. I heard it's, it's all about if you know how to drive them or not. That's right. It felt like a wet Q-tip. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good one to end on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's too good. So uh, we didn't mention it uh, at the top of the show. Well, I want to mention it now. The Jeep Talk Show is the official podcast of Toledo Jeep Fest. Uh, the Toledo Jeep Fest coming up the weekend of August 12th. What a great Jeep event you don't want to miss. Uh, go to ToledoJeepFest.com for more information. I hope you guys are going because uh, we had uh, when we had Whitney on last week, if you didn't catch that uh, last week's uh, roundtable episode, you should go listen to that. A lot of great information, a lot of great Jeep information. And uh, I know Chris uh, from sevenslats.com and the Jeep Talk Show is going to be out there. And he's going to be all decked out in red. I'm just trying to find some some red blue jeans that we can send to him so he can be just red from the hat all the way down to the shoes. Oh, I need to get some red shoes as well. But he's going to be out there wearing a, a, a low, red logoed uh, Jeep Talk Show logoed shirt and a uh, red logoed uh, uh, hat as well. So... Uh, if you're planning going to uh, the Toledo Jeep Fest uh, the weekend of August 12th, you'll have to find uh, Chris and uh, get a picture, uh, do a selfie with him, and uh, post that up on your social media, and that can help promote the show at the same time. So we do these uh, roundtables every week. The uh, They're published on Wednesday. We record them on Tuesday. If you'd like to be part of the Zoom room, the Brain Trust, if you will, and answer some of these questions or maybe come up with your own questions, uh, all you need to do is sign up to our newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Scroll on down through there. You'll see lots of different things there. One of them will be signing up for our newsletter. And uh, as Josh likes to say, we, we only send out the newsletter once a week and sometimes not even that often. <laughs> but it will uh, give you some uh, some inside uh, information that uh, the non-subscribers don't have. Like, for example, one of the things that was in this newsletter is the announcement uh, that our next giveaway is going to be from MidlandUSA.com. And if you don't know about our giveaways, these are reoccurring giveaways from multiple vendors and midlandusa.com is one of those vendors and they are going to be giving away through us a uh, midland uh, M- T- uh, I always want to say tx mxt 575 this is the one steve's been waiting for uh he wants to get that uh, all-in-one microphone type thing it's great installation for jeep and it's 50 watts the maximum legal power that you can run on gmrs we need uh, tim allen uh the grunt sound on here for for that uh, that power output so listen it's going to be on an episode this week and it's not going to be the Friday episode, so what does that tell you? Because it wasn't on this episode, and if it's not on the Friday episode, oh, it must be on the Thursday interview episode. So, yep, we're getting a little tricky. We're sprinkling those things, uh, those giveaways around. Uh, and, of course, we're trying to get you to listen to every episode. I, I firmly believe that if you listen to each one of the episodes, you'll find something good uh, and different about each one of them. So, uh, well, we'll see if that works out for us. So anyway, till next week, thanks for joining us and, uh, you know, get signed up. Join us next week. We'd love to hear you here in the Zoom meeting. Podcasting since 2010.